Are you a hairdresser or barber? Do you want to take your career to the next level but unsure how? Then this is the podcast for you. Hello and welcome to The Successful Stylist Unfoiled. I'm your host, Crystal Wilson. I've worked in the hair and beauty industry for the last 10 years, working my way up through some of the largest salons from each corner of the globe. Throughout my career, I've always been infatuated with the industry influencers, the people who have been able to make a name for themselves and have a flourishing career as a hairstylist. On this podcast, I'll be sitting down and talking to hair and beauty professionals who have taken their career to the next level. The ones who have gone from working behind the chair to exploring another avenue within the industry. From the platform artists, educators, business owners, TV and celebrity stylists, published, self-employed, brand-sponsored, and more, I'm sitting down and asking them how they've done it. I know these accolades can seem unattainable, so I'm making it my mission to break down the barriers, stereotypes, and simplify the process to make the dreams that you have more attainable. Join me every week on The Successful Stylist Unfoiled. Hello, back again on The Successful Stylist Unfoiled. And I am sitting down today with Frank Gambuza, who is a big name. And I felt, to be honest, a little nervous about this one. Usually, like I said, it's people that I know or, um, yeah, have some sort of connection with or have met with. And with Frank, I know the name. I definitely have seen him in the industry and grown up with that and to have been connected with him by a dear friend of both of us, Miss Candy, was quite the honor and privilege. So I have sat down today and where I thought the conversation might go was maybe more of his story. And he's been hairdressing for 49 or 50 years almost. We couldn't quite do the math, but since he was 13 working in a barbershop in a very untraditional maybe way of not actually doing hair and then having his eyes be lit up by it all, which seems to be a common thread for people seeing the energy in a salon or in the barbershop and having that lead their way. But he has a ridiculous resume behind him and list of achievements. And we talked about that kind of moment where it seems like his words were, you know, an overnight success that took 20 years to build. And I think that's true. And deciding learning how that happened. And I thought, yeah, maybe we'd end up talking a bit more about his businesses and all the different avenues of that. But what it really was, was kind of talking about how to get where you want to be and the the initiative that you need to have and the patience and all of those things. And I, it was just a really real conversation. And I just really appreciate taking the time we've had to coordinate between America and Australia and being back at work and not having as much time as I would have had previously. So to have someone like him sit down with me and have this conversation was exactly what I was trying to do. And I think his message, he now goes and travels um, around the world. He's been to Australia on a tour and all kinds of stuff, talking to other business owners and salons on yeah, bringing in the next generation and sharing his knowledge and what he has learned. And I just appreciate somebody like him giving up their time to talk to me. So his barbershops have been voted best barbershops in America. Um, there's a whole group that he has. And I just, yeah, this is somebody who to me is inspiring and is who who we should all be listening to for a little piece of advice. So here we go with myself and Frank Gambuza. 
neighbor has decided to mow his lawn right now and we don't even have a lawn around i live in an apartment so i don't know what's going on so <laughs> i've got a little bit of background noise <laughs> i can't hear it what's it 9 30 in the morning there yes so i really yeah, appreciate yeah. you organizing this time for me because i know the overseas situation has been a little tricky so thank you so much my pleasure hope i'm not interrupting your dinner time no it's worked out perfect my wife's going to play some tennis Oh. We're going to meet up afterwards. How nice. All right. Well, I am just so grateful for you sharing the time and the lady who has connected us, I think is quite dear to both of our hearts. So yeah. Candy putting us in touch. I just, you know, I was so grateful for that and really grateful for you giving the time to chat with me. And maybe I just wanted to share my message with you and what I'm trying to create here. And then I'd love to hear your story. Awesome. But yeah, so I am in Melbourne now and have been living here for the past four years in Australia and used to be Love in Melbourne. Canada. I know you've done an Australia uh, and New Zealand tour, haven't you? Uh, uh, yeah, twice. <laughs> Actually, three times Australia, twice Oh my New gosh, Zealand. amazing. Yeah. It's a good city, isn't it? It's fabulous. I know. A lot of, Ita well, a lot of Italians too. Ah, the good people. <laughs> <laughs> but, a lot of coffee shops. Oh my gosh, isn't the coffee such a thing here? Yeah, it sure I'm is. Like, so you don't just go to Tim Hortons and get two cream, one sugar? It's like major hey, you know faux pas. You know, it's, what's funny about Tim Hortons, I did a thing. You know Peter uh, Mahoney? I know Canada? the name. Yes, yes. Okay, so so I did. A, I spoke at Peter's company event one year. Yeah. And there's a part of my presentation that I ask a question and a whole audience answers. And it's usually a, a question that's pretty set up. So the answer was supposed to be Starbucks. And at the, at the answer, I hit my slide and Starbucks would be on the screen. Yeah. And it's it worked in every city I've ever been in, except I didn't realize Tim Hortons was more popular than Starbucks oh in Canada. Oh my God, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so so, I, so I, I ask when you think of coffee, what do you think of? And then as I hit the slide, they're answering and they said, Tim Hortons. And I was like, well, that's what happens when a presenter doesn't do his homework. Oh my gosh. What city were you in? Where was that? Uh, he's in Halifax. Yeah, that is so yeah. true. It's yeah. that is the thing that I like crave is Tim Hortons and is nobody right? here gets it. And my parents came at Christmas last year and I, they're like, do you want us to bring anything? And I was like, can you just bring me a box of Timbits, which is like don't <laughs> shitty donut holes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well. I was like, I am not bringing those on the plane. And I was like, you have to, please. I need them. So they arrived to Melbourne with a little box of Timbits for me. They'd probably gone stale from the plane air and I ate them all. I loved it. <laughs> awesome. That's the way it's supposed to be. <laughs> oh God. Well, I feel like you and I are going to get off track real quick. <laughs> yeah. Oh, butterfly. <laughs> <laughs> stupid neighbor mowing the lawn's really gonna throw me off okay uh, i specifically live in an apartment with no distractions for a reason uh-huh anyway but what melbourne has gone through this year and my own personal situation is i've basically been out of work since march until mm. maybe about four weeks ago so i needed to come up I'm a doer and i was going stir crazy at home and thinking about the next kind of chapter in my career and where I wanted to go and how I was going to do that and feeling a little bit overwhelmed. You know, I, I pride yeah. myself on having these people around me who are these big names and who have provided me with the most incredible opportunities around the world to move and travel and go to shows. And I mean, I've 
been at Intercoffee, like all these things. But right. how how do I get there? How am I going to be, you know, on that stage or creating that curriculum? I love education and kind of was like, you know, what? I'm never going to have time off like this again. I never know if I want time off like this again, but right. how, what am I going to do? So the, the idea of the podcast started um, and has really branched out to now. I would just love to be inspiring people who want this career. And I think a very common um, conversation that's come up with everybody that I've talked to is it was this thing that you wanted to be a hairdresser, but you know, your parents didn't think it was good enough or you yeah. had to go to university to be successful. And mm -hmm. I think the salon that I came up at was a massive salon in Canada. And that opened my eyes to the shows and the photo shoots and the money like that people I think don't think happens. Mm. And yeah, so that's kind of where yeah. I wanted to go with this was talk to people who have had success, not only behind the chair, but in another aspect. And I think you obviously fit the brief <laughs> very <Well. laughs> with flying colors. So you're, hang you're hanging there long enough, you'll figure it out, you know. And <laughs> well, is, I mean, this... you've been going 48 years, haven't you? Yeah. Well, it's 50 now. Holy macaroni. Yeah. Uh, uh, 71. So what's that? What's that make it? Is oh, it 49 or 50? 1971. Wow. Yeah. Good on you. Well, maybe that's where we can dive in. So I've given you a little bit, you know, a little snippet of me, but I would love to hear your beginnings. And it, the thing that I'm really enjoying about this podcast is we're getting quite an international situation. So I, you know, sometimes something I learned moving here and just as Candy as a reference to me, you know, you go to shows in America, she's signing autographs. It's like Beyonce's up on the stage, oh, you know? No doubt. Yeah. And sometimes you come here and I'm talking about people, not just her, but anybody. And they're like, who? And I'm like, wait, yeah. what? What do you mean? <laughs> So yeah, I think that it is important and maybe repetitive for you or somebody else to tell their story, but everybody's hearing from a different kind of part of the world. And I think it's important to know a little bit about you. And did you always want to be a hairdresser? How it happened? All these things I'd love to dive into. Right, right. So my story is, is got a, a different beginning than most for hairdressers. I, yeah. I come from an immigrant Italian family where there's bricklayers, carpenters and house builders in it. And when I said I wanted to do hair, I kind of got a crooked look, yeah. you know, it's like, wait a second, uh, what, you know, what's that mean? You're not going to do what we do. Yeah. But I was a shoeshine boy in a barbershop that this is all I've ever done. I've never been anything but in the hair business since yeah. 1971. And that was my freshman year in high school. I was 16. Right. But I, yeah. I was actually in a prior to that, just shining shoes, not knowing I was going to be in the business. Wow. So that's my beginning was was being a shoeshine boy in a barbershop and just fell in love with the atmosphere. Mm -hmm. uh, worked for an older Italian guy by the name of Joe Lupo, who was a, a, a true barber by craft. And uh, it was just a guy's kind of man cave hangout. And as a little boy, it was just kind of shocking to think you got to hang out there and get paid. Yes, and, uh, I completely and, relate. That's how I felt going in being like, this is where the action is. This is so fun. We had 150 employees as well. I think you're familiar with my salon at home that I worked for was Donato's in Toronto. I had a conversation with John yesterday. Did you? Oh, yeah, my gosh. Was... Did you did you tell him we were doing this or maybe you didn't know? 
actually, I I knew you were from Canada, but I didn't know you worked for John. Yeah, so I worked so, for John. That's that was my beginning. So uh -huh. although you know a, a barbershop would be a different vibe, it's the environment that I think if you have that personality and that spark in you lights it up, and this is this is what it is. Well, I went from barbershop to beauty salon. Yeah. So I, I I went from converting from doing men's hair only to yeah. back in the in the mid seventies. It was all unisex. That's yeah. when kind of the 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 barbershop started fading away and the unisex salon started becoming very popular. And for me, again, I told you I was Italian, so I'd rather be around women than men. <laughs> so, and so was so, that an easy transition for you switching from the barbershop? You were happy to do that. And then how did you upskill in that way to be able to then perform in a, in a salon when you've come from a barbershop? Well, because the barbershop I worked in, uh, although he was kind of a seasoned barber, he converted to be in a unisex salon. Okay. So at that time, it was basically the same haircut, short and long. Yeah, it was kind yeah, of a yeah. shag. So whether you, you just started off, you know, right the section down the center of the head, everything came up to it. So if it was going to be longer, you know, you over-directed. And if it was going to be shorter, you didn't. So it was kind of the same technique. Yeah. And at the, at the same time, it was just a matter of handling more hair. It was more about combing hair than cutting hair because it was the same haircut. But, yeah. you know, being that I was young enough not to know what I didn't know. So yeah, I was willing yeah. to try Easy anything. Easy to mold a little bit that way. And yeah, you seem yeah. to have had the ambition right away. And I think that that is your key thing is if you want it, you seem oh, to, you'd go get it, right? <laughs> I fell in love with it. I mean, I, I, I would do hair seven days a week, 365 for the first 20 years I was in the industry. I, I still, I still would. I mean, I, this is all I've ever done, but this is all I ever wanted to do also. Yeah. So that's kind and of, I think I that lucky. is so important in, I, you know, talking to people who have been in it this long and for myself, like, if you don't love it, there's no point in doing this career. You work the no. evenings, you work the weekends, the hours are crazy. Your brain doesn't switch off. And I think that people have a hard time understanding, like, it's just hair. Like, how yeah. can you come home and watch hair videos? And all I did, like, it, it just is something that consumes you if you do love it. But something that I also am trying to appreciate is that there's people who love it, but don't have that. Don't, and they, it doesn't mean that they love it any less or that they're less passionate. It's just different, different drive and different desire from what they want out of the career, I think. Well, I think it depends on what your expectations are. Yeah. Right? When you say, what, what do you want from your career? I found that there's basically three categories of a hairdresser. Yeah. All right. One who wants to really just kind of do it for a hobby. Right. They, they love yeah. the constant idea of it, but they're not willing to kind of do what it takes to grind it out. Yeah. So, you know, you might want to do it for a hobby as one. Some want to do it for a job. They love the idea of it being a, a job. And but then truly, I think the ones that we're talking about, the passion behind it are the ones that are willing to do it for a career. Yeah. And I think it's dramatically different. I mean, you know, I know people that play guitar for fun, but, you know, if they're going to be a rock star, they got to do a lot more than play guitar for fun. Yeah, they're totally. going to have to play it from the minute they wake up till the minute they go to sleep. They're going to have to do it seven days a week. They're going to have to take lessons. They're going to have to play in front of no crowds, mm -hmm. go into an empty joint where maybe there's one table and you got to, you got to pay your dues. And yeah. so if you're the career minded person, I think you have to have all those elements, but passion to me is the driver behind all of it. Yeah. 
Incredible. And where do you think that came from for you? Just seeing the excitement and then how did it then transfer into actually becoming a very good hairdresser and be, you know, you've taken it all these steps further. How did that kind of maybe start or? Well, I think watching people do it. I mean, I was always mesmerized. Although I was shining shoes, I was always looking up at the barber. I was looking at the hands more and and the, the implements more than I was looking at the finished product. It just mesmerized me to see what what could be done and the transformations, especially when it went from longer hair to short hair and to see my dad build house houses for a living. Yeah. So there were there was times it would take eight or nine months to get that satisfaction of ah. all your implement. You know, here every 60 minutes, every 45 minutes, we get instant gratification on whatever efforts we put forth. Yeah. So to me, I just loved seeing the the before and afters and the transformations and watching, especially women, you know, when we first started doing women's hair, watching them go from not feeling great about their hair to all of a sudden 45 minutes to an hour later, two hours later, if they were getting color. Six you hours if sm- you're with me. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and and for me, it's two days because I don't, you don't have to come back the next day for color because I don't do it. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so at the end of the day, the fact that we can see that transformation and, you know, I think at first I thought it was about how we made people look. Yeah. And then the more seasoned I got, the more I realized that that's not really the business we're in. We're Very in the business much of how so. we make it's how we make them feel. Right? And I think this year, I mean, I hate to harp on about the year itself, but going back in this last month, I've never felt so so much that way about making people feel good and the people coming to the salon after you know four five six months of not being able to get their hair done it's really reawakened that in me and made me Mm. be like I'm really changing these people's lives whether it's five you know just that hair appointment that might not seem like a big deal to someone else they have been dying for that appointment or the regrowth you know the regrowth and it makes you feel crummy when you're already having a crummy year and lost your job or all these things that it does make a difference. And we do make a difference doing this. We absolutely do. And I, and I think the fact that we all went through it together yeah. is why we're, we're all able to have that experience, whether fortunately where I am, and I don't know if you realize this, but where I am in America is exactly halfway around the world to where yes. you are in Australia. Ugh. We're literally halfway around. I can go either way and get there at the same time. Ah, I didn't realize. Wins. No. Yeah, and I, I only figured that out the first time I traveled there. And uh, but the, the, whether it be Australia or whether it be the United States, we're all going through this together. And everybody's feelings, whether you're rich or poor, or you know, whether you're male or female, whether you're conservative or uh, liberal, I don't think any of that mattered. I think we all kind of felt the same feelings going through yeah. this. And you know, we took so much for granted. For me, it's just really about gratitude right now. And, you know, we're not able to do the volume we used to do. We don't we don't have the amount of uh, hours available that we had. Everything's changed. And it seems like um, I have more gratitude now than when things were cranking. Yeah. And you are you are someone who's traveled the world doing this career. So maybe we can just chat a bit. How did you go from working in the salon? So transferring from the barbershop into into the unisex situation to then kind of making this name for yourself because you were able to move interstate and create this massive. I mean, you have six brands with, you know, this massive empire almost that how were you, when did it kind of change for you? Or how do you feel like you got to that point that you were working your way up and then it happened or. 
Well, I, I think it was always about excellence was always the driver. It was never, yeah. ever, still isn't. It was never money. Yeah. I think money really is nothing but a reward for excellence anyway. I, I think if you strive to make money, you, usually you don't, you know, because your decision making is based on money. Yeah. Right. So, yeah, there's there's business principles that you have to be cautious and be careful that you don't go against financially. I mean, there's definite pillars that you have to respect. Yeah. But to me, it was always about what was next and not that I never appreciated where we are. I Right now, I appreciate where we are, but yeah. we're not there yet. And where is there? I think that's the magic question. Right. And it's different for all of us. But I don't think there truly is a there. There, there is okay. no there. Yeah. Right. So it, it, I think when you get there, you're done. <laughs> yeah. So so for me, it was about being a, like understanding barbering really well. Once I got that, then I want to understand ladies hairdressing. Once I got that, then I want to go on and, and and study with people that were way better than I was. And for me, the real there were two major turning points when you asked yeah. what was the turning point for me. My first trip to London to attend the Vidal Sassoon Academy changed everything for me. Yeah, I mean, just the way I looked at hair, just the way I understood hair. And most of the instructors were a lot younger than I was, but these were fabulous, fabulous hair cutters. Yeah. And I think this is where it truly came into play for me is it was a combination of barbering and hairdressing. It was almost using barbering skills on women's hair. Okay. And because a lot of it was short hair at the time yeah. when, when I first went, I've been to London many times since, because that's, that's, you know, when you were from say Tennesseans had to go to New York to get what was going on at the time I was, I'm from New Jersey. So right on the New York borderline. So if you wanted to get something new from that area, then you had to go to Europe. And this was all before globalization and internet and everything else. Right. So you're always looking for one more, one more. And London was always that spot for me for, for hairdressing. Yeah. And so once I went to, that was number one, was going to the Sassoon Academy. Number two, when I moved to Tennessee, uh, I opened the Salon Visage the first time and Self Magazine through my connections in New York and then coming to Tennessee and opening a salon, they did the top 30 headdresses in America. I didn't even know they were doing it, but lo and behold, I, I was chosen as one of the top 30. Incredible. And in Knoxville, Tennessee, it was New York, it was LA, it was... Atlanta, it was Dallas, it was all that. All the big and cities that have it was that all the big pumping cities. out of them. Yeah. Yeah. I was the only small city guy in the whole thing. And that really blew things up because I had clients flying in, driving in, coming from all over the Southeast. Of, because of, of that States. publication. Yeah. That one publication changed everything. And, Incredible. but that one publication was 20 years of working your tail off. Yeah. You know, it's like, 20 years of becoming an overnight success. Yeah. <laughs> right. It, so yeah. it was, it was willing to go to the hair shows and work as an apprentice for free and yeah. get up at four 30 in the morning and, and, and go fetch models for the, for the guest artists and do yeah. all the things that nobody else wanted to do. So it, it all eventually pays off. And, you know, sometimes that's the story I always have to tell young hairdressers is, you know, Everybody kind of wants to play in the game, but not everybody wants to come to practice. Yeah. Right. And you just have yes. To, and I think yeah. the time of it actually is something that I 
have had to take a breath and be like, you know what? I've been doing this for 10 years. And to me, that's a long time. And I'm oh, like, sure. when am I going to get to that? Po- not when am I going to get there, but how, what's my next step? I'm just, I'm ready right. for that next move of I've been mm-hmm. educating. I've now moved. I've been around the world a bit doing these things. What's, what's next. But the main thing that I've gotten from talking to everybody is time and candy had a beautiful quote that you know she started sunlights at 50 and colonel saunders started kfc at 60 whatever that there's no time limit and we often as maybe north americans maybe a bit more even have this thing that oh by 30 we have to have this and this and this and that's so not true and that's where i think what you're saying comes into play too that you the timing is irrelevant and that you have to you have to have the knowledge behind you to be able to live the experience properly. Yeah. In, in order for it to have sustainability and staying power afterwards, yeah. you, you got to pay your dues and earn the right. We call it ETR. And I, and I use that a lot in my company. Have you ETR'd yet? Have yeah. you earned the right? You know, it seems like right now everybody wants things a little bit quicker and yep. you don't always, you know, you don't always get what you ask for, but you usually get what you work for. Love it. You know, so uh, and the other one to add to uh, what Colonel, Colonel Sanders, Julia Childs didn't start cooking till she was like 74. <laughs> There's right? hope for me. My boyfriend yeah. will be happy to know. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I just want to move you into that next up the ladder. We got to find some 80 year old cat that didn't start painting or something until he was like. Yeah, I love it. <laughs> hey, well, that gives me hope for my cooking career because there you go. instant noodles aren't cutting it. <laughs> That's all right. Just you cut enough hair and you get you hire somebody to cook your noodles. That's the plan. That's why I work late. You know, I could actually finish work at six, but that means I have to cook dinner. So I like the light, yeah. late shifts. I come home and dinner's made. Yeah. But but being a hairdresser, then you start late. And that means you got to cook breakfast. So you don't get away with it. Yeah. Or if you're a real hairdresser, you just have a Starbucks coffee. Exactly. Yeah. Five times a day. <laughs> That's so funny. When we were talking about coffee before, when I came here, the coffees are so tiny. And I was like, wait, what? And I remember they sent me one day to get coffees. I'd only been here like a couple of weeks. And they were like, oh, can you go get coffees? So of course, I went to get the coffee. And I came back with all these extra large coffees. And they were all like, what the hell is that? Like, they'd right. never even seen that before and i was like this is small compared to home you know it's yeah. so funny it's, silly this things. is no venti is it yeah. <laughs> so that's silly. the truth though you know i mean I, again growing up in a, an italian family they said a little demi test cuffs which was a shot of espresso right yeah but it was like rocket fuel you only oh needed a little God, shot yeah. of that and so that's why I, when i love to travel australia had great coffee actually most of yeah. it was italian coffees but uh at the same time i just loved all the coffee shops through all all the capital cities of Australia and, and the people in there I had the best conversations. And I would just go an hour early and just hang out to, just to get to meet people because the I think the Austra- yeah. Australians are amazing. It really is a great country. Uh-huh. So what brought you over here? Cause you do a lot of public speaking now as well, right? So what, yeah. what is the message that you're getting through in those, those conversations and are you coming to the hair shows or just business, any business hiring you or it's always hair? How did you, how did that start happening? And what is it that you're talking about when you do that? Well, what brought me to Australia the every time I came was a manufactured, you know, you gotta be 
connected to a manufacturer because that's who's got the deep pockets. Yeah. Right. They're getting less deep as time goes on. And is that but, for your salon as well? Like saying when you open open a salon like that, that you need a partner with a manufacturer to do that or to do the global tours or where does that kind of fit in? I, I, I think anymore. I, now, 15, 20 years ago, I would have probably said something differently. But yeah. today you, you, you have to align yourself with somebody yeah. because they have, they have all the access to the research and development. They understand the statistics. They, they, have, they have way more knowledge than we would have. So, you know, the one thing we always have is that intuition. I think headdresses have that vibe and they get it, right? But at the same time, unless you got some facts to back that up, it's only going to go so far. So I think any more, and I, I think, matter of fact, the Australians and the Europeans did it way before the Americans, where they really didn't have to align with manufacturers back in the day. Yeah. As long as we got a discount, we were fine. But you, you got to have that partnership now, and it's got to be a true partnership to where they can share their knowledge with you. And it's got to be the right manufacturer who, who's truly willing to, quote, partner with you, not just sell your product. Yeah. Right. So the first time I came, first time I met the Australians was actually in Hawaii. Ah. They, one of the manufacturers brought a group of their top salon owners to Hawaii for like an annual thank you or whatever. Yeah. And I was the keynote speaker. And actually I, I, I got hired to speak for like an hour and a half. Now you fly from Knoxville to Honolulu. It's like a 12 hour flight Yeah. to speak for an hour and a half. So actually I had a few days of debating on how much I wanted to get paid. <laughs> They were seeing it as an hour and a half, and I was seeing it as two and a half days. Yeah, so rightfully we, we, so. That's business lesson number one. So they had they had a two-day seminar, and I spoke the first day, and I was supposed to leave the next morning. And that night, somebody knocked on my door from the, the Australian contingency and said, hey, we just had an overwhelming meeting with all the head honchos, and they, they'd like to know if you'd be willing to stay and speak again tomorrow, and we'll take care of everything and pay you double the fee. Well, at the time, the, my fee to do that was pretty high because I almost didn't want, I, I almost was a little nervous and didn't know if I could handle it. Okay. It might've been a little above what I've ever done. Yeah. So I gave enough of a number that if they said no, I got yeah. out of it. Then you, you couldn't, it I mean? was kind of, you were hoping they say no a little bit. In a way, that's exactly <laughs> right. So they said, yes. And then when they said, would you do it again after, I mean, I got not to sound conceded enough, but no, I got a standing ovation that day. So I figured, okay, I did pretty good and to do it. The second day was even easier because by that night we were having drinks and hanging out with everybody. So that, then they asked me if the next year I would come to Australia and do a tour, that same manufacturer. Wow. And it's what, five, five or six, six capital cities. How many? Wait, don't ask me. <laughs> yeah, I think it's six. I think so. Um, yeah. I, and so I went to each capital city and spoke to large, large groups and it, it was just to, to really answer your question was it was mostly it was business management because yeah. the one thing that I think what my point of difference was then is I was a combination of hairdresser and businessman. Yeah. And, uh, you know, for me, I had no choice because when I first got into the business, I, I didn't have any money whatsoever. It was it was actually a seven thousand dollar loan is all they would give me. Wow. So I had a seven thousand dollar loan. To open your first loan. salon? Yeah. So, yeah. Seven grand. Wow. And, and, and the interest was 29% on that 7,000. So I think I still have about four payments left. I think. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe after but, this podcast, we'll both blow up, you know, you can pay it yeah. off. <laughs> <laughs> but, 
<laughs> so how did it day. go? How did it go from the one salon to this massive empire kind of and barbershops and you know you've had the best right the best barbershop in America like that's massive did you study some business did you read books did you just did it just come to you did you have a good partner your family like how were you able to then snowball that into you know what it is the the real answer is probably I don't know I mean because you turn around one day and it kind of happened and a lot of times people say what's the big secret and I don't think there's any big secret. I think there's just a lot of little ones. Yeah. And, and you know, most of my information probably came from clients in my chair. Yes. I, I you know, I, the, 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 the intelligence is in the room. You know, if you just kind of, the, the clues, life gives you clues. And if you're just aware enough of them, they're there. And mm-hmm. I, you know, if it was something about rent, I would, if somebody in my chair was a landlord, I would ask about rent. If somebody in my chair... You know, it, I, right now that what we're looking at over here now, insurance is huge, per, yeah. medical insurance. So I talk to everybody in my chair about insurance and the things I learned is just unbelievable. And and it's while we're making money that we get to learn this. Yes. So I think oh my that, gosh, I love that. You know, I mean, it's just amazing. And, you know, I've heard about all these cities around the world. And then I make a list of these restaurants and, you know, you're going to go to Barcelona. You get clients that have been to Barcelona. You go to the best restaurants without even... It's just yeah. amazing that if you tap into what's in our chair or in the salon itself, we're just so blessed to be able to have that. And yeah. it's almost a it's almost a sin if we don't use it. That's incredible so, knowledge. That's very, I, I, you know, one of those things I think we do take for granted and something that I love is I've said the people that you meet and people from all walks of life and everything but that's very true that you to be utilizing that time in the chair to actually gain the knowledge like it's more yeah. so than just yeah that's so it's, love that. it's almost selfish in a way but i figure if i'm gonna get varicose veins standing behind the chair i might as well get something in return <laughs> besides just paying a mortgage that's so funny and but then, the other thing i the go. thing i really learned with with successful people is they want to share their knowledge with you they, yeah. they want to help you. You yeah. know, I would always maybe be intimidated, not always, but at times I would have been intimidated that if you had a big society person in your chair who ran a big company who could mm-hmm. probably answer your question real easily, there's times I maybe just didn't ask. Yeah. And then when you do ask, they say, hey, why don't you just stop by my office tomorrow? We'll chat about it. Yes, and totally. What, what you thought was going to be like a two-minute question turned into an hour visit at their office. Yeah. And you realize, wow, these people want to do this. And like now, that's kind of what I want to do for young headdresses is this was given to me for free. Yeah. So, you know, it's up to me to give it away. Love it. Keep passing it on because I think you're right that we think and part of the issue and why I started the podcast and having these conversations was, oh, I'm just a hairdresser. I won't know about business or rent or medical insurance or all these things. And, you know, I don't know about it. But by asking and realizing that most people didn't know about it, but the way that they got there was asking the question. And you're right. You can be intimidated maybe by asking somebody thinking, that they're going to think, oh, she's just a hairdresser. She's not going to get what I'm talking about when I'm talking about that. And it's not true. And that they want to share it the same way you are sharing now. And I, I would, you know, I, yeah, it's so, so right. And what's amazing is if you do what we do good enough now, we got people from outside the beauty industry coming to us and asking us questions about business. It's yeah. almost like done a 360, you know, when you establish yourself in your community and you kind of do the right things for the right reasons, 
you know, yeah. to grow people and to empower staff and to spoil clients. And, and when you do that with the right energies, I think good goodness just comes your way when you're doing the right things for the right reasons. Yeah. When you're a good person, you know, people want, people want to be around good energy and good people. Nobody wants to bring you on a world tour. If you're an asshole, <laughs> you know, yeah, they, no, they don't, that's... they don't want you around. So no. Yeah, and they wouldn't ask you to come back the next day or come to their country the next year. <laughs> oh my gosh, how incredible. And don't so you think I, that that's, that's a, a, a good lesson as well, that you felt like in that moment that maybe you weren't the right person or that you weren't big enough for that role. And then to go and get asked to come back and be like, just verifies that sometimes where we often are our own worst enemies. Oh, no doubt that. You know, I got two Franks that live up in this head of mine. And they, they talk to each other a lot and I got to know which one to listen to at the right time. Yeah. Uh, one, one will sabotage me and one will empower me. So I got to make sure I listen to the empowering Frank, not, not the discouraging one. And you've got over 170 employees. Is that correct? Yes, it is. That's yeah. in- amazing. And is it and again, all not- in where you live in the same It's all in Knoxville, city? Tennessee. Yeah, yeah, it's all in the same city. It's all within miles of each other. I mean, the 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 furthest distance now is two miles, one from the other. Wow. But uh, and the thing is, some of the brands are no longer, you know, they they kind of ran their course. Like the blow dry bar, we don't we don't have anymore. Yeah. Uh, it, it, we weren't a big enough city to really have a blow dry bar. Okay. But again, that it's okay. We we almost knew it when we did it. Yeah. And, and it didn't make it, but that's okay. Cause if somebody was going to do it, if somebody could make it, it was going to be us. Yeah. And I don't want somebody else to kind of beat us to it. So I think that's, gonna, I think that's the say, thing is that people don't want to start because it's it, the fear of the failure or it not working out and you saying that it didn't work and that's okay. But then I think that's where some people could come in and be like, yeah, but I've got to put my whole, my whole life on the line for that or my savings or my time or my family, you know, and they, they're not willing to take the risk. And that was also a conversation I had with Candy being like, did you have people saying to you, oh, well, she just got it because of who she was and who, you know, she grew up under. And I think that's something that can discourage you is what everybody else is going to say about it or not feeling like you have maybe the financial backing or any of those things to take the leap. And you saying that you, open that salon with not, not very much backing from the bank or this, that, and you made it work. It's because of you and the drive that you had to make it succeed. Well, I, you know, I think that, that, you know, there's will and there's skill. And I think will can out will skill at times. I really do. And I, but you got to have both. Yeah. Right. But at the same time, if there's, if there's a true desire, if there's a burning desire inside you that wants to do something, I just don't think you let nothing get in the way. It's it's yeah. not an option to to let something get in the way of doing it. And, it's, and you know, and especially when you're married with a young, a new baby, and you're opening a new business, you don't have a choice but to succeed. Yeah. You know, so it depends enough. on your stage of life too. I mean, because it was either make or break. You know, it, so I had to make that work. It wasn't yeah. an option. And did you have business partners as well helping you, like people? that you partnered with? And when you say manufacturers and stuff, like was that to start your hair care line or? No, this, this is before our hair. I mean, at the time we weren't, it was just a matter of part. At the time we didn't really partner with a manufacturer. We were just buying from a local distributor, but I did have dinner with that distributor ahead of time and said, listen, I don't have the capital I need to kind of put the proper product in here. But if you'll just trust me and if you'll support me, you know, I'll stick with you. 
You know, so it's a matter of growing up in the streets of New Jersey, you kind of learn how to make a deal because somebody's trying to steal your lunch all the time. <laughs> you know, it's a, it's a little different than where I'm living now. I always yeah. said I want to come back as one of my children, you know, because I see the life they live in. <laughs> it's like I want I want to live like that as a kid. But, uh, I, you know, I, I think it's we, we didn't have really any partners. It was just a matter of working from real early to real late. And hope at the end of the month, there was more money than there was month. Yeah. And then yeah. how did you end up getting on the board for Intercoiffure and that kind of thing? I mean, that's a huge thing in North America and internationally as well. But sometimes when I talk about it here, it's people don't know as much what I'm talking about. And I don't know if it's a generation right. thing where I, the salons I'm in or I don't know, things like that. But at home, like that was the the thing you know like yeah, went to the Waldorf yeah. Astoria and got to do color for that show oh my god it was incredible right right that so was my moment talk- if you want to know that was my okay yeah one of my moments Sonia Dove has always been my like person you know when I saw her that was what I wanted and John took me I don't even think I was on the floor like not even a year yet you know and he uh-huh. took I remember in the hallway he was like Crystal come here and I was like oh shit what have I done I've done something right. and he's like do you want to come to New York and do the color for my show at Intercoiffure and I was like like assist and he's like no you do the color and I was like what and I had to go to New York and fly in and I was prepping my models because we were a Wella connection prepping my models right. in the same room as Sonia Dove and Guy uh-huh. Tang was there and it was just like I cried watching him on stage saying my name like I was just like in the balcony up top watching it it was just was, this was moment that, was that was that the men's show with the boxing ring? Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 And then there yeah. was the, we had the tall model with the silver hair and there was a few, yeah. yeah. So I did the color for that, yeah. Which wasn't much, it was just a few men's rinses. But when you're, I was probably like, I don't know, 19, 20. Oh, yeah, sure. I remember that weekend well. Matter of fact, a lot of people got on me for bringing Guy Tang in. Oh, yeah. And he, he, he was the hottest thing at the time. And it, I know, it, I was starstruck. You know, and uh, I think he was with, uh, I'm trying to think of who he's, he, he was on stage with somebody else too, who's a Redken artist. I, I, oh, I, I don't know remember. who it is offhand, but I, that was a great weekend. I remember it well. But yeah. having that experience and seeing that, and I remember, you know, John introducing me to people and me being like, oh my God, like, you know, it was just this thing of, this is, you know, I'm in the Waldorf Astoria right now. And yeah. at the this event being like, this is exactly what, this is where I want to be going. And this is where I know I thrive in that environment. And I loved it. And I just knew that that's, that was where I want, you know, wanted to be involved in more than just being behind the chair. Like I wanted to be going to these shows and. But John could have picked a hundred other people, right? He picked you for a reason yeah. because you were coming to work on time. You were in dress code. You didn't say no, you were willing to do the extra work. It's all those things that lead those create those situations and lead up to those you know moments yeah so it 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 was just a culmination of decision making that put you in that position yeah and you never want to toot your own horn you know like you saying that it's that's what got you there for me I'm like okay yeah, yeah yeah but I am I am aware that those things are present in myself as well that drive like it it has to be or you're not gonna get where yeah, you I mean I, and what's funny is you know here you are asking people from around the world if they'll give up their time and get on your podcast, right? Yeah. 
that, that that's I don't want to say it's a nerve, but it's brilliant. It's thank it's you. The will, so what can they say? No. Well, that's, that's what worst. I just figured. What's the worst that they say is no. Who cares? <laughs> I'm behind my computer anyway. Yeah, yeah get me and, over and, here. And it, and if you don't ask, it's no. Yep. <laughs> so, so if not, at worst, it could be a lateral move. Yeah. And that's and the I worst just, that could happen. I just felt like, yeah, I needed to do something with the time. And I had all these questions. And I am fortunate that I do have some really amazing connections and people who are backing me and willing to give up their time. And I just... I think it's such a privilege for me that you would give up your time. And, you know, all these people I've done 20 episodes now, you know, it's 20, 20 hours of just sitting and talking about what I like to talk about anyway. And what I right. learned from talking to my friends, it was just going to be for me. I wasn't even going to record it. I was just going to ask people if you'd just talk to me anyway. Uh. And then my <laughs> friends being like my hairdressing friends being like, Oh my God, I wish I would love to know what he had to say or this or that, but I would never have the balls to ask. And I was like, right. Oh, it's not even a thought for me to not ask. Like I just want uh -huh. to know. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's, you know, you, you make it sound so simple, but uh, hats off to you for, for Thank doing you. it. Should have yeah. worn my hat like you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's all. What has been the biggest achievement for you, you think, in your career? Is there one, like, when you have a whole list, or was there something that you were striving for that happened, and you were like, I can't, this is what I've been working for for that long, or just? Well, I'll be, I, the, the part I think that's missing right here is earlier I introduced you to my wife really quick. Yes. But I, I think big but she thinks huge. Okay. And a lot of what we've done is strictly because she pushed. Yeah. She, she, she don't settle. She's a doer. She's a go-getter. She, she's, she's an amazing woman and amazing businesswoman also. So I'm much more conservative. I'm not okay. willing to roll the dice like she does, ah. but it seems like she'll come up with an idea and I'll say, no, no, no. And then two days later, I almost, act like it was my idea because then I'm starting to implement it <laughs> because I know she's, you know, they call it women's intuition for a reason. You never heard the term man's intuition. Have you, <laughs> no. you know, what the heck's no. that? So, <laughs> what's that? What do they know? But uh, no, she, she's got a great intuition for kind of, I'm usually buried into where things are at okay. and her vision is usually where things are going. So it, it's, it's a nice combination. And, she's got a lot of energy, ton of energy. And it's always kind of not that she don't appreciate where we are because she's got a high gratitude as well, yeah. but it's always like push, push, push just a little more, a little more. You can always do a little more. So, so even I, when I, you kind of get to that, maybe if you've had this goal set for the past few years, that this is what you wanted, the, the barbershops, this, that, then something else kind of happens that keeps taking it further. And she's kind of the one pushing that behind you a bit. Yeah, constantly. Because I am I always, you know, I say there's no there, but there's times where you just need to pause. And I, she don't pause. I mean, she goes, <laughs> she goes. Because she's thinking of what's next, right? Not for not appreciating where we're at, but if we, if we got it where we're at, and I say it just meaning the energy and yeah. the, the vision. Yeah. You know, because it really, it's not about money. And, and there's times where, you know, an account, our accountant will say, don't do it. Yeah, uh, it's probably not the right time. And we do it anyway. I mean, we figure <laughs> what do they know? Uh, and then they got to figure out how to, how to make it happen for us. Love but uh, yeah, I, I think at the end of the day, you just you can't have any quitting you when you start and you shouldn't have any quitting you when you're close to finishing.
Love it. And do you think you'll continue? Like you're still behind the chair now. Not full time, but I still do. I still, I do about four days a month. Oh my behind gosh. The chair Forever. I, I do you think you'll do that? I do. And I'll tell you why, because I never want it. I never want to have that conversation with a young hairdresser, whether it be in my office or on the floor or over a coffee that I have to say the words, well, when I did hair mm. and then finish that sentence, <laughs> you know what I mean, or, or I, 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 I think I know how you feel instead yeah. of saying, Hey, that happened to me yesterday with a client during a consultation. I think the connectivity to my staff yeah. is much greater when I'm one of them yeah. as opposed to just talking about the way it used to be. I, I think that's detrimental to a salon. Interesting. Love it. Yeah. Love it. Love it. And do you want to keep traveling and doing that when the option comes back to be doing that? Like, is that where your passion's lying now? It seems like, you know, you're talking about wanting to pass it on and, and speak with the younger generation and inspire them in that way. Is that where your passion is now is in that? It is. Speaking? It is. It really is. I love to, you know, it, people are having issues, a lot of salon owners with millennials or thinking different and I don't think it's any different than any other generation. I think it's probably always been that way. It's a bit more magnified now, probably because yeah. of social, you know, social media being what it is. But uh, I, I love the young generation. I, I, I love the challenges. I love the way they think. And it, it took a while, you know, quit telling the story of how you walked uphill in the snow with no shoes on. <laughs> yeah. That gets old, you know. Both and ways. after a while, <laughs> you know, I, I I started seeing hair color in the salon and I'm thinking, well, that's not really our brand. And, you know, we should be having that. Or you got to cover up your tattoos mm. or you got to pull your nose rings out. And, and I'm saying, you know, I don't want to become my grandfather's Buick. You know, I don't want to become like an old fart. I don't, I want it to be, a, you know, we got a lot of kids. We have five children and most of them are in the business. Wow. So I want them to be able to, to push it forward and carry on and, and kind of, leave a legacy right yeah so i think we got to make sure as salon owners if we've been there long enough to do less talking and more listening yeah i think that's yeah. that's a very good point as well of being like that you don't want to not be behind the chair to not understand but also to listen because we have ideas and we have you know aspirations and having somebody like you leading is important to share that knowledge and be willing to do that and listen, I think is very important because I think a lot of times that's not always the case that you want to hear what maybe we have to say and we haven't earned those stripes or something, but that's, that's how it's going. Yeah. I, I think the thing is, I think the stripes are already there and it's up to me as a leader to unveil that. Yeah. To, to peel that onion back far enough to know what's really going on there. You know, the I, years ago, and it just so happened it was in Australia, and I, I can't remember the gentleman's name. He was an older salon owner, and he asked to have dinner with me. And come to find out, he owned restaurants also. So oh, he had yeah. a lot of salons and a lot of restaurants. And I forget which city it was in. But over dinner, we're having a conversation, and he mentioned something to the fact that you need three things to be successful as an owner. You need money. You need experience and you need enthusiasm. And he said, I have the money and I have the experience, but my young new staff has the enthusiasm mm. and it takes both of us to be together to make this work. And I thought it was absolutely brilliant. And uh, uh, man, I, I should try to find out who that was. Uh, I, here's how, here's what I do know. You might be able to help me. I'll give you, yeah. 
there, there was a, 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 a piece of a World's Fair. There was this giant uh, art erection that was a World's Fair uh, symbol. Okay. And he wound up buying this thing and putting it in the parking lot of his salon. Oh my God, I have no so idea. We got, we got to find out <laughs> I'm going to ask was. around for you. I will <laughs> come back to you. That's my see. mission. Because the guy, his son was at the seminar the, that day when I spoke. Yeah. And uh, and I, I believe it was Sydney. I'm almost sure it yeah. was. All and right. my son asked me if I would meet with his father. And that's how we had dinner. Wow. Yeah, it was how very cool. cool. It was, Isn't it, it interesting? A, the people you uh, meet and the stories you get and all of those things that ha- talking to that son led you to the dad who, you know, it happens all yeah. the time that it's who, you know, a lot of the time that leads you look at you and I having a conversation and, you know, it, it's to, to take those moments because sometimes I think it's quite easy to be like, Oh no, nah, don't feel like having a chat <laughs> or, you know, well, and- I think a lot of it has to do with the passion of who we are. When you said candy, yeah. it was done. I mean, <laughs> and, and, you know, I remember my yeah. father coming to one of my first hair shows and he says, what is it with you people? I mean, what do you mean you people? Meaning hairdressers. Yeah. All you do is hug and kiss each other. You know, <laughs> and that, th- that's hairdressers. That's what we do. So, you know, like that gentleman that night, there was no way I would say no to that man. But if you go to like a banker's seminar, yeah, you think they're, they're not hugging and kissing. And they're not saying, hey, call me anytime if you need something. Or yeah. if you if you come into my city, I host you and you sleep in my home. Yeah. And I mean, I. I've slept in so many of the top headdresses homes throughout the world or been to their children's weddings or whatever. And it's just, we're just a little bit different that way. And I love it. I love it too. What yeah. would your, your takeaway be, you know, if we wrap up and, and see, you know, I think that I've got a lot of incredible information and advice from you. And I just, I think you're a down to earth guy chatting with, but what would, what would your last piece of advice be, or somebody who's coming up in the industry or, you know, when you're giving your, your big speech, what's the, the message there? Well, you know, I, I, I think a lot of it has to do with, understanding what the intentional outcome is and then reverse engineer what, whatever it takes. We call it a DWIT, a D-W-I-T. You got to be a DWIT. Do whatever it takes, period. Okay. Yeah. All right. So I, I think self-doubt gets in the way a lot of times and people for some reason want to pee on your parade. <laughs> I mean, it's that, you know, I, I don't know of anybody that said they told their parents they wanted to be a hairdresser and the hedge, the parents jumped up and down and said, "Awesome, man! That's the best news I've ever heard." Yeah, you know. Well, that's exactly so, what it is, and why I wanted to shake it up a bit and let you know the parents listen. Maybe it's not even a podcast for hairdressers. Maybe this is for parents to hear. You know, yeah. and, and and be and like, I tell my young staff, if you want to bring your parents in, show them the salon. Let me have a coffee with them. Let me show them a W two form, which here is kind of shows how much a hairdresser made the year before. Yeah. Let me take my top hairdresser's W-2, lay it out in front of the parents. Chances are nine out of 10 times, that W-2 is going to be higher than what the parents made. Yeah. yeah. You know, so I, I, Vivian McKinder gets tore up when people say they're just a hairdresser. Matter yeah. of fact, she's got a whole thing about not being just a hairdresser, right? Yeah. And she's right. Because now at this point in my career, if I'm in a room with doctors and lawyers and me as a hairdresser or a barber, mm-hmm. I don't feel any less than anymore. Mm. Years ago, that would have intimidated me. Now I'm thinking, you guys, you guys blew it, man. You missed the boat. You should have been a hairdresser. <laughs> yeah, 
love it. So I, love I, it. I think the advice is, you know, once you know what you want to do is stop at nothing to get there and, you know, do it obviously in a very ethical way, but it, the opportunities there, because, you know, the word extraordinary is very interesting. It's, you know, they say, what's the difference between ordinary and extraordinary? And it's just the extra is the only mm. thing different. And you got to be willing to do the extra, yeah. you know, be, be the one that comes in earlier, be the one that stays late, expect nothing in return because the universe will give it to you in return. You get back what you put out. Wise, wise, wise words. Thank you. I'm just going to be trotting to work. This is the first one I've done that I have to go to work after. Like I was doing them all during lockdown, right? So I was doing a few a day and just, you know, but now I actually get to go into the salon and feel even extra motivated. Well, I love being first, so well, I'll take it. Thank you. I just really, really appreciate you taking the time and organizing it. And, you know, I've never had to deal with an assistant before to organize my podcast. <laughs> yeah. There's well. someone else. I loved it. It was incredible. But I just really, yeah, appreciate you taking the time. And so lovely to meet you finally. You know, I've seen you about and known the name and everything. But to actually sit down and have a chat is really um warms my heart so thank you very well, much chris it's been my pleasure and uh thanks for the honor of asking you know uh, we said it earlier sometimes you just have to ask and, and it was my pleasure to say yes to you and i do want to give you kudos for doing what you're doing because it'd be easy thing to say they want to do it and not follow through yeah. but the fact that you're doing it you're making a difference in a lot of headdresses lives oh my gosh that's incredible thank you Congratulations. so much Thanks for listening to this week's episode of The Successful Stylist Unfoiled. Don't forget to follow, like, and subscribe on Spotify, iTunes, and YouTube to get all the notifications of our weekly episodes.